You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. Take some time away from your moment and want to learn how to take better care of yourself and our special guests from all over the United States and soon around the world. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is dedicated with people and special guests who have backgrounds to give us an education about reminding us continually about how important we are. Life, the power of water. Did you know that you're made up of 50 trillion cells. You're a walking sponge. Every single person that leaves his mother's womb, enters the air we breathe, begins to live in air. And you must have moisture in the air, and you must drink plenty of water to replenish those cells to be healthy. Global warming means climate change. It's been changing since the beginning of Earth from moment to moment. Had a scientist on here recently, and he says moment to moment is the change. It's been going on. How do we learn to live here? And your health. Earth does have a secret. You must take some time and learn more about yourself and others around you and how you take care of better care of yourself. Listen to those who we bring on the show. Listen carefully. Try to get a reminder of what you need to learn and what you need to be reminded of. You may know a lot. You may not know it all, which I doubt if you do. Today we have some very exciting guests. I have been really excited about this. We have a founder on here that's going to be discussing about E3 Live. They harvest a vital, uh, I'll explain this to you. A, they harvest a raw living algae from the Klamath Mountain region, and it's, you're going to have a lot of fun listening to something that's a coming of an age. You need to learn more about this, about freshwater algaes that can be taken with. This particular founder knows a lot. Trust me, I've really looked into that person. His name is Michael Saber, and he's got uh, Tamara Campbell with him as a partner owner and a CEO, and when you hear about what they're doing and their mission and their dedication, you will be very surprised at a new development that you may not have heard of or heard of it but didn't know enough. Then our second guest today is going to be the head of Fish and Wildlife from Washington, D.C., Josh Winchell, and I think we're going to learn a lot about what's happening in our country and around the world, but we'll take a moment from that special sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. 
To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water and Your Life. And I'm going to remind our listeners that you're made up of over 50 trillion cells. And when you're listening to our guests and their education today, remind yourself you are made up of 50 trillion cells. You're a walking sponge. Michael, are you with us? Yes, I am. And uh, Tamara, are you with us? I am. Thank you. Good morning. So I want to thank both of you. Uh, we have today listeners, Michael Staber, who's the founder of the uh, algae supplement uh, company uh, out of Klamath region and the southern Oregon, Klamath region of Oregon. And then Tamara Campbell, who is the CEO. And uh, you are, I'm going to start out, Tamara, if you don't mind, with Michael. On Michael, how did you start this? Uh, and when and why and what was your mission? Uh, it looks like you've been doing this for almost 30 years. Well, I've been into uh, learning about health and nutrition and the correlation it has to the quality of life uh, for uh, over 35 years. Mm-hmm. And it was probably about 10 years ago that I had learned about this uh, this. Aphanazomenon fossaqua, which is the scientific name for this food we harvest. And I tried it and got a result. I didn't resonate with the company that introduced it to me. I went up to the lake in southern Oregon, and I sought to really learn about it. And I was looking for the best harvester that I could find. And uh, Tamara was born and raised right in that area. She is the only harvester that was. And she was the best. She was the most careful and the um, most honest about all of it and, and had the best quality. And at that point, I proposed a, uh, a partnership. Okay, now before we go on for our listeners around the world to understand, uh, what, why were you wanting to uh, become, it says that your explanation was that you're always working toward raw living foods and, and a different lifestyle in that. So what attracted you to knowing about the algae there in the Klamath Mountain region? Well, actually, I, had, um, I was introduced to a, a change in foods in the, uh, in the mid-60s. And in the late 60s, I went up to Boston and stayed with Dr. Ann Wigmore, who probably a lot of your uh, listeners have heard of. But she was somebody who had cancer and cured herself um, by, uh, by eating uh, raw living organic foods and had a nonprofit uh, organization up in Boston. And I went and I stayed with her mm-hmm. uh, and to actually see whether what she was telling was true or not. I'm very cynical and skeptical, and it was. And that began my journey into really knowing about um, the power of eating uh, foods in their fresh organic State. And then how did you hear about the one, uh, the algae, that I have been very well known. My field is water and water and hydrotherapy studies for uh, about 30 years. Um, one, and I have an enormous-sized medical team with it. Wanting to know what, co- what led you, Michael, to the Klamath Mountain region. Well, actually, it was that I tried the product um, on the insistence of my cousin, 
and I got a result, which was very surprising to me because I eat a number of uh, and have eaten a number of different sea vegetables and freshwater vegetables over the years. But even with all of my very careful choices in eating, this had a significant result. And I also share with you the utterly critical importance of, of having pure water as to the quality of your life. It's just so essential. So you're educating your listeners is just so important to them. In this region where this, where this food grows, and this is the only place in the world that it's commercially harvested, although it grows in a couple other places in the world. But this food, because of the fact that this huge, pristine, 140-square-mile lake, the largest body, inland body of water in the Pacific Northwest, is fed by the waters from, uh, f- from the Crater Lake. And Crater Lake is considered one of the wonders of the Western world where this huge mountain had, a, had an eruption, they estimate, sometime between seven and 8,000 years ago and filled up with, uh, with beautiful fresh water. And this water feeds this lake. So this lake is fed by the waters that are filtered through the mountains from Crater Lake and also through geothermal springs because... Uh, we are on the ring of fire, so we're on a geothermal area, a volcanic yes, area. Yes, you are. And listeners, what geothermal means, it's under the ground. There's an enormous amount of body of water, and, and being geothermal, it, it, it's un, it comes up with steam. Yes. Um, and uh, for the listeners, before we go on to talk with Tamara, uh, the listeners need to know we've had shows, uh, Michael, about the Crater Lake region. Oh, and uh, we had scientists on, and uh, understanding that that particular volcano, when it erupted, and it began to cave in and had that hollow dome uh, cones so deep, and and when it began to absorb, I'll say that water, Michael, it had so that one of the largest rivers of its kind in the world was under there. Mm-hmm. And and the mineral rich volcanic ash that settled all over this huge thousands of square mile uh, lake basin also contributes to the power of this uh, this um, algae that we call E3 Live. And for me, it was life changing, and it was surprising that it was because I figured, you know, it might be another food that was good for me. But it wouldn't be something that I really noticed, and I noticed it dramatically. And now we'll go on to Tamara. Tell us about you and your life involved. I guess you live, have lived in the Klamath region there for a long time. I have. I was born and raised there, and um, I was aware. I first met the original founder of this food back in 1978 when I was a teenager. Uh-huh. And I used to go down to the edge of the water and watch him as he was collecting samples and he was doing studies and doing testing. And I asked him a lot of questions, and I was aware that people were um, looking at this as a, a form of food for the astronauts in space uh-huh. because it's considered a whole food. You could actually live off of it. It has all your vitamins and minerals, your amino acids, um, has a very good fatty acid profile. And... So it wasn't, you know, in my young teenage years, I wasn't really interested in it for anything that was nutritional. And quite frankly, I thought it was crazy (laughs) somebody would eat algae. And so when I became uh, older, I went through a series of different um, careers 
with aggregate rock crushing and commercial underwater gold mining. And those two things gave me the principles that I needed for looking at this algae and how could I actually get it out of the water because it's not a very easy thing to do. And I got involved in it um, from the perspective of I thought, well, this is a food that people could use and we can do something with it. I never knew it was going to make a change in my life to the extent that it did because I went from being very ill most of my life having chronic bronchitis and colds every time I turned around to when I started using it, the first thing I noticed was a mental clarity and a sense of well-being uh, which is what most people will notice right away. But after a few months of use, I noticed that I never got sick again. And that's yeah. been years. I've only had three, maybe three or four colds in the last 14 years. We'll get into discussing uh, the algae itself a little bit more here uh, pretty soon. Uh, but I want to ask you, Tamara, um, then uh, you began the company with Michael, or you had already started the company uh, with this uh, theory that algae was a good food? I had already started the company with the theory. I had actually been, um, like Michael, I got nagged by a friend who said, you've just got to try it, you've got to try it, you've got to try it. I said, okay, okay. Um, and I did, and it was it was really dramatic because for me. Because you've and lived up there so long, before we move into how the nutritional values of this particular algae and, uh, and all coming, but because I think it's so important that our listeners learn today. I did a little road work on this, and I've done a little road work from the years past, if coincidentally, because I have been studying water for so long mm -hmm. uh, and hydrotherapy. Tell me, what have you learned about the Klamath Mountain Lakes uh, with the silt, and what's the value there so our listeners can understand a value there? Well, what it is is that we live in an area that is not developed. So we live in a very pristine area where all of the mountain ranges surrounding us are federally and state land-owned properties, which means that there's no development. We don't have marinas. We, don't, we live out in the country, and we live up at a 4,100-foot elevation where we're known for the sun. We're called the City of Sunshine, where we have over 300 years 300 days a year of sunshine. Mm -hmm. And between that sunshine and these minerals that come up from these hot springs and this 40 feet of mineral ash that they estimate has been dumped into our basin mm -hmm. and where our lake is, we were just an, an amazing, rich, and fertile area of the world because of of what God or nature okay. created. Okay, and now we had a scientist on recently teaching us quite a bit about uh, something about silt and how you determine uh, the ages of our ecosystem and this Earth's growth through the silt. What have you learned about the silt there? The silt has a lot of value to it because it's got a lot of... Uh, it's highly mineralized silt. So what happens is when you take it, you've got an extreme amount of minerals. When it goes out and people, like say they irrigate from our lake, which happens, we happen to grow some of the highest protein content hay found in the world. In fact, it's so much, so highly mineralized and such high protein levels in our hay that people sell their contracts forward four and five years. Okay, I wanted to ask you, and I will interrupt once in a while so that we can make sure we get enough in, and we'll have another show I know one day. Um, Michael, I want to ask you, now when the, is, the silt is what's influencing the algae, 
that's one of the factors. Yeah. What is influencing the growth of algae? And and explain, you know, a lot of people think that the word algae, if you're un, without the knowledge, that algae doesn't mean it's, it's bacteria. Uh, a lot of people look at algae on a pond and think, oh, my gosh, it looks like it's a, unhealthy. Explain the word algae to us. Well, algae, there are actually uh, up to 50,000 different varieties of algae. Some of them are um, uh, edible, some of them are not, some of them are extremely nutritious. Uh This is totally unique. It is my belief that if there is a manna in our lifetime, that this could be it, because this food... Because, and it's actually a food. We call it a supplement um, solely because if we don't call it a supplement, we can't even make any claims to what it does. Uh-huh. But depending on how your listeners view life or the world, this is created by God or nature, and we look at ourselves as caretakers of this food that we harvest. I think what I'm going to do there at that spot for a moment, and we'll move on, uh, Tamara and Michael, I've often said to everyone, that the earth is, is, is the power of the water is the life of our earth. Yes. Existence for eternity. I believe and, that 100%. And we're worried about, I'm not, but some scientists are worried and, and people in our civilization are worried that we may not have an eternity. I believe we will. My commitment to all the world is, and we put an enormous amount of millions of dollars into this, is the world to understand without the water, there is no earth, but without the water, there's no civilization for healthy ecosystems. And there's for, no life, really. So. And, and, and human life is very vital to the ecosystem, yes. the health of that human life. Mm-hmm. When the precipitation of earth began out of the air and began to pound down on the surface of the earth at different places, different times, that the weather, the climate, the skin color, everything was chosen each time it began, wherever it began, precipitation, and went down into the cavities, we'll call them caves, into the earth, and, and, and uh, began a call, what's called aquifer, storage of water. And different parts of earth would have a, uh, the, the water storage below the earth in those caves called aquifers would fill up to the surface and then come to the surface up, the, up at the earth's surface and begin to be what's called streams, lakes, rivers, drainages going to the lowest point down to what we call oceans, the sea. Okay, what happened along the way, we, growth began. And uh, I bet if you have studied this, could you answer with one of the first growths on water be the algae growth? Absolutely, you're correct. Okay, I know. So then came maybe a fern later? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, listeners, you need to understand if you're made up of 50 trillion cells and the earth is living on water that you see and don't see because there must be moisture in the air from the water that's on the surface that's giving you that moisture, that humidity that you don't always see to live and survive and have your growth your ecosystem survival. Now, Michael, when you're talking about algae, I want everyone to say learn again, algae doesn't mean it's bad. And they're talking about a very healthy raw-type uh, algae that you need to learn more about and you can study on the web. So, Michael, go further on this particular algae again and explain to them the discovery here. Well, the discovery on, on my part, is that what you'd like to know? Yes, 
please. Well, my discovery came uh, as a result of not expecting, because as I said, I eat a lot of different kinds of algae from from the sea and also from freshwater. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're excellent foods and deliver very good nutrition, but I never experienced anything like this. I call this food, in a manner of speaking, my fountain of youth, because this food did for me uh, just astounding. Many years ago, I used to be a competitive athlete, and I competed on a national level. That was uh, over 50 years ago. And I have more endurance now than I had back when I was a kid, when I used to compete. Which And, and this is also being a very selective, careful eater. Now, the algae that you're taking, so that we're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and we'll be right back, both of you. Certainly. Don't go away, but before we go, the algae that you're taking, is that a liquid? Is, is, is it, it comes in a container, and it's liquid. That is the most potent form. We have it in a liquid, in a capsule, and in powder. Uh-huh. But the most potent form or the most value form that's quicker to give you the supplement necessary is in the liquid form. Yes. Okay. I think we'll take a moment with our sponsor, and both of you can decide when we come back with the time we have left, because we could do a whole hour on this, but we have another guest today from Washington, D.C., but... I wanted to ask you when we get back a little bit more so people can really understand some of the nutrients that are in the algae and what they would be considering to be a new supplement in their life. We'll take a moment with our sponsor and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. We're talking with Michael Saber and Tamara Campbell from the Klamath Mountain region of Southern Oregon about a supplement it's called E3 Live, and it's a living raw supplement of food from a, a, very, a well-known lake around the world if you've been doing any of your uh, algae studies and, or supplemental studies. Um, I want to go back to you, Michael, and your background and understanding algae in your past and what the comparisons are, and then we'll move, I, we need to get into if Tamara can help us with what is the, some of the values that we get from the particular algae. But, Michael, tell us about algaes of the world and how you compared this. Uh, actually, I, I compare it uh, from the standpoint that, as I said, some algaes are very nutritionally good and deliver a lot. What makes this so unique is the assimilability, the usability by the body that it fills in the blanks. 
And, you know, there is so much to go into that I want to offer any of your listeners that want a free CD that will really explain a lot. Okay. And also our website, which will direct people and and have them learn a lot more than I can possibly convey on on this show. Now, on the supplement of the differences between sea algae, fresh, I'll call it freshwater algae. Is that okay with you? Sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, Freshwater algae, what did you learn the differences between the sea algae and the freshwater algae? Uh, The differences are are many. You know, actually, uh, it's interesting to note that really the oxygen that we breathe is created more by the algae than by the trees. Uh, That's an interesting part. And as far as the sea algae and the freshwater algae, I've eaten them for years um, because sometimes I've developed a taste for them that I like them and I know they're good foods delivering different things naturally out of the out of the salt water you have uh, different nutrients than you have out of the fresh water most of the commercially available freshwater algae are actually hydroponic foods in other words they're created more scientifically than they are actually by nature the foods that people eat this food that has been eaten probably for thousands of years this aphanizomenon flossiqua um, which was eaten by indigenous people in Africa, uh, in Mexico, and in the United States where we are, um, probably was uh, consumed. It was consumed in Africa by the people that mixed it with a hot pepper and ate it and sun-dried it into cakes. Now, did they ever, ever, and have you ever studied that anyone ever... Uh, within our world, did they mix it up with mud? Uh, did they mix it up with, uh, or did did they people mostly try to eat it with a just straight the algae with the water? Actually, interestingly enough, with the water. But some people have actually, we a lot of the people that we have uh, known and worked with over the years have created recipes with it where they put it into food. Yeah. Or they do it as an additive to food. Okay. So but they it, made it into a powder. Exactly. Okay. Now, um, so, but I'm trying to understand which one did you ever find was the most valuable, the freshwater algae or the seawater, or are they both almost identical? Well, they're they're really quite different. The one, the one that really did it for me, even though I've eaten very many of them, is this one. Is the is the E3? This one is the one that changed it because of the fact that. Even with all of the very careful eating of seeds, nuts, sprouts, fresh, fresh uh, organic vegetables and fruits, um, this is the one that delivered something that I could really, really notice, both mentally for mental function, my brain and, and memory. Okay, and now on the color of them, what is the difference, so our listeners will understand the color, the difference between color of different algaes? Well, that, that also is a factor, uh, and, and it changes depending on the time of year. Some algaes are red algaes, uh-huh. some algaes are brown, some are green, some are blue. This is considered in the category of a blue-green algae. Very dark green. Yeah, very dark green with a hint of blue. Mm-hmm. And you found that the freshwater one that was very dark green, hint of blue tone, does it change color during the year, or is it always consistently the same color? That's very astute of you. That actually happens. Depending on the time of year, the algae actually changes. Sometimes it has more of the carotenoids, the omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, and sometimes it has much more chlorophyll. Now, on the interview of this CD that I'm going to offer to your listeners, 
There's an interview with Dr. Gabriel Cousins and Dr. Brian Clement. Um, Dr. Cousins has had um, experience with this for well over 20 years. His comments are very, very educational and interesting as to what it does and what he's seen with it. Now, I'm going to ask real quickly before I go on to um, Tamara on this. um, And, Tamara, I'm sorry. I'll be right back there. Um, I'm wondering if, if let's say, during the summer, uh, what are the some of the nutrients in the algae in the summer? What are the nutrients differences in the fall, winter, and spring? So you say there could be a change in the nutrient level. Well, we harvest only during a certain time of year, and that can be any time between the month of July and as late as the month of November. Okay. We see a difference at the beginning of the year, the carotenoid levels, the essential fatty acids aren't as high as what they would be at the end of the year. The reason for that being is because the algae is getting ready for uh, winter to come on. It's putting on uh, more fatty acids around its its single cell wall to protect itself so it remains viable and Uh movable through the water. It can stand our harsh cold winters in our frozen lake for a few months and still be viable. So at the beginning of the year, it will be a lot brighter green, a little bit lower fatty acid profile content, a little bit higher uh, chlorophyll contents, and toward the end of our season, it will be reversed, higher fatty acids, a little bit less chlorophyll. Okay, now let's get into I've heard and uh, acknowledged the fact that it has a protein level that you couldn't get out of any other kind of food. Could you explain that? Well, it has all of your essential amino acids. It has all 20, the essentials and the Mm non-essentials. And what makes this such an amazing food is the the bioavailability or the assimilable part of the food. Our bodies, because it's a single cell wall, it takes nothing for it to digest, so we can use 97% of the energy that's inside that cell wall. And that's, that's what really makes it extraordinary because you can take other foods or you can eat other foods, but they're more complex. They're not single-cell organisms, mm-hmm. so our body has to work. So this digests and eliminates much easier. Than, exactly. It doesn't have to overwork itself. Exactly. So that cell has absorbed it and uh, picked up what exactly it needed and expelled what it didn't need much quicker than you would if you ate other kinds of foods. No question about it. Okay, it happened. Now, now we'll go on to enzyme. What are the enzyme levels of it? The enzyme levels um, tend to vary, of course, but, you know, to a certain degree they're pretty stable. Mm-hmm. Um, in our E3 Live, which we feel is the most powerful, most effective way to use this uh, product, We like it because it's in its fresh living form, as close to the living plant as you could possibly be, and that's where your enzymatic activity is very strong. Okay, now let's find out more about the pH level. The pH level is alkaline. Our lake is an alkaline lake, and, of course, eating foods that are very high in chlorophyll and dark greens, such as what E3 Live is and what it offers, that's where you bring your body into a more alkaline state rather than acidic. Now, when you're um, thinking to to use this as a supplement and you're going to add this to whatever else you're taking, is there anything that you found that you should not take the algae at that moment? Now, I don't mean later in the day, but you should not take the algae with something else at the time? 
No, I found that you can take it with anything you want. The only thing that I would suggest that you stay away from would be sugary juices because one of the benefits of taking E3 Live is that it helps to lower a blood sugar level and, and really brings the body to a state of homeostasis. Okay. If you're drinking some, some sugar juice with it, then you've really lost that benefit. So you're and it's suggesting that when they take it, um, take it they with drink water. a lot of water with it so it assimilates and absorbs through the body quicker. Yes, yes. Water is the answer. That's what you want to take it with. Um, you know, there for children and and for um, for people who are finicky and don't want to eat greens. Then I'm never going to say don't take it with juice. Never take it with juice because you're better off to take it with juice than to never have it at all. If that's the only way that you would take it, but we advise to take it with water. Mm-hmm. Now, with uh, uh, there's some different carrot juices out there. I don't know if you've seen them on the market that you can actually purchase in the stores. So you could even drink it with, take it and then drink water with it and then have a carrot juice um, because those carrot juices are really, really good. I'd like to do a show on some of those so people are encouraged to start getting into some of those vegetable juices other than the ones that are down the aisles that are heavy in sodium or even the ones that say they're not sodium, uh, uh, sodium-free or there, I really like those others that are over now in the produce department for them to consider. But you're right about the sugar. I have a thing about, um, Tamara, about sugar. I, I just feel for so sorry for people being raised on so much sweet uh, that they don't even like to taste something that doesn't have a sugar taste. Yes, well, even for people who don't like it because, you know, we've tried to cater to everybody and make this palatable so that everyone would like it. We have E3 Live available in our original green uh, flavor, and then we also have it with some agave nectar, which is lightly sweetened, and then we have it also with agave nectar and a hint of mint behind it. Okay. Well, go in because we only have two minutes left. Um, and I'd love to do this show again, and you could think about all the things we didn't say. All right. But, but what are we thinking? Um, let's say a person is very, very, very tired. Is it very? Is, is that kind of supplement really good for somebody who's mentally exhausted? Energy is one of the top things. And, and again, if I may give them uh, our um, 800 number, they can call in and get the free CD and booklet that will really explain it to them. Okay. What is your 800 number? It's 888 888- Eight hundred seventy seventy. Okay, and then give them your website too. The website is the letter E, the number three, L I V E E three live dot com. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then uh, before we're done, uh, let's say a person. You were an athlete, Michael. Uh, you said that it worked for giving you the stamina you needed. Tremendous, yes. It worked amazingly in that area. It works. One of the things that your listeners should know is uh, we give an unconditional one-year guarantee. Anybody who chooses to try this, if they're not satisfied with the results mm-hmm. by their own evaluation any time up to a year, we give them all their money back, all their purchase price. Well, we sure enjoyed. Thank you for taking time away from your busy life there. And I bet now you said you were 4,100 feet high up there in that Klamath Mountain region? Yes, we are. Okay, well, enjoy the sunshine. Thank you. And I appreciate very much you coming on with us. And uh, if you, I would like to do another show because I know there's so much that we couldn't say. Getting acquainted today, I call it courting with the new ideas and theories of algae. 
But I'm saying to the listeners, really look into this because I think this is a valuable future for a living food. Oh, wonderful. I, I thank you so much for having us on your show, and for I thank you so much for what you're doing for your listeners, educating them as well. We're going to get them going on water, water, water. I, I mean, I'm going to be in China at the end of March, and by gosh, we're all over the world talking. It's the power of water and your ecosystem and your life, isn't it, Tamara? Absolutely. Yes, it is. Okay, both of you, thank you for your dedication and your mission. We really do appreciate it and hope to hear uh, talk to you again sometime in the near future. Thank Have you. a nice day. Thank you much. Bye. Well, we're going to listen to our sponsor, and we're going to be back with another exciting guest, Josh Winchell, who's with the Fish and Wildlife in this, our country, and we've got a lot of questions. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Because of dry air, you need to know that Nature's Tears Eye Mist is a supplement for dry eye. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during a live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. I welcome you to the Sharon Klein Hour, the power of water and our lives to live on this earth. We have Joshua Winchell with us. Josh, are you with us? I'm right here. Thank you for joining us. And where are you sitting today? I am sitting in a scenic Arlington, Virginia. Okay. I, I go to Arlington, Virginia, and I love to stay in uh, uh, the Hilton Hotel there. Ah, okay. Well, I, I think that's close by. It's close by. <laughs> I uh, wanted to thank you for joining us, and uh, tell us about what your position is with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Well, I'm a, a spokesman for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, previously, though, I was a fishery biologist, so had a bit of experience on some water issues. I understand that that's an issue that's near and dear to your heart. Yes, it is. Uh, and uh, throughout my career, I've uh, you know worked all over the place, but I currently find myself, uh, again, you know, speaking for uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service on uh, a range of issues. Uh-huh. Uh, but before we get going, then, let's pick out, because you are going to be the educator of those issues. What sure. do you think the most important thing that our listeners around the world should think about that your uh, department's thinking that is important for all of us to know? Well, I think the most important issue that you know not only the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is, is um, working on, but, of course, lots of people are thinking about, and that's uh, climate change issues. Yeah. And water, of course, is a very, very key aspect of climate change issues. And uh, one of the things that we are involved with is um, assessing 
not just the health of, of a range of species, but um, their water needs as well. Right. We're seeing a drought in the southeast, and that is affecting certain endangered mussel species. Uh, but we're also seeing uh, changes in the range of some species that could very well be a result of global climate change and sort of changing water availability. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're currently in the process of really sitting down and trying to come up with um, some fairly strategic thinking about how to uh, reevaluate the habitat needs of a whole range of, of plants and animals. And you're talking about the habitat of us human civilization, too. Well, and that's it. We're very much connected. You know, a lot of uh, the people who work at the service uh, are here because we absolutely love the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm certainly one of those people. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we, we have a great deal of pride in, in doing the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, for almost all of the service employees that I've, I've spoke with, we all have a very um, emotional and close connection to the natural world. So, again, now, we have a great deal of satisfaction working the job that we do. Josh, I believe that because I've been talking with scientists from all walks of life there with the uh, wildlife and the U.S. Forest Service and more for several months now, and I, it just as exciting. Yes, it is a commitment and a mission. And whenever I asked, I forgot to ask you, how did you get where you're at today? Uh, did you start out as a young person thinking you wanted to become part of the of the forest and and the nature of our lives on this earth? Mm, not quite so deep. I would have oh. to say that I got to where I did because I loved having fun outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> I loved uh, fishing. I, I loved just fishing. playing around in the woods behind my house. I liked mucking around in the creeks. And I still love doing those things. And so I think, you know, when I, when I was a... Uh, even a very young kid, I just loved being outdoors, and I had a lot of fun. And that pretty much, you know, guided my decisions when it came to a career. I wanted to make sure I was doing fun stuff, and by fun, that meant being outdoors and 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 working with uh, with fish and wildlife. And it's worked out pretty well so far. It's exciting. Well, uh, we acc- I really appreciate what the U.S. Forest Service is doing. It's one of the leaders of the world to understand how do you protect your ecosystem. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's that broad. Now, let's find out what we're doing. In, let's start out with even a state like Georgia. Do you know what happened there uh, when there was not enough water and what happened to the fish and the wildlife around a river that was depleting? Well, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert on that particular issue, but we're, we all, you know, uh, people, plants, animals, we are animals. We're all, we all require water for our lives. And uh, it's, it's very important to understand that as important as uh, good, clean water is for our health, the same can be said for uh, fish and wildlife. And exactly. in the southeast, where they're experiencing some very um, historic uh, and difficult droughts, uh, they're finding that, we're bumping into essentially a competition between the needs of people down there and the needs of certain wildlife species, including yeah. these endangered, special, uh, endangered mus- mussels that I mentioned before. So it's a very difficult situation. There needs to be some uh, pretty careful and strategic thought about how to, how to ensure the health of people and ensure the health of, uh, of critters. And that's what's going on right now. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not quite sure what the status is, the current uh, policy status is, but it's a very, very difficult issue they're, they're trying to manage now. Yeah, it was very startling here in the country where you hear different aquifers that are depleting, but you didn't think about the rivers. Um, mm-hmm. Let's explain to our listeners that are listening all over the world here um, about the mussels. Uh, describe what a mussel looks like and why you're, it is so important to protect the mussel. Sure. Mussels are essentially a type of um, 
clam. And the mussels that I'm, I should say, called a bivalve, but if you'd look at them, you'd, most people would say it's a, it's a sort of a clam. So they're um, uh, mussels. That, the mussels that I'm referring to are freshwater mussels. A hard shell. Out, a hard shell, exactly. They are filter feeders, so they, they siphon in water and collect um, uh, all sorts of different, very, very small microscopic organisms and filter those out uh, and eat those. Uh, so they're, again, siphon feeders. Uh, and as it turns out, uh, here in North America, we have the greatest biodiversity of mussel species anywhere in the world. Hmm. Uh, and as it turns out, they are the most endangered type of critter we have uh, in the U.S., or mussels. We often think of, we may, recently made an announcement about taking uh, the wolf off the endangered species. Most people think of endangered species as big, big, cute, furry animals, we call them. Yeah, we had a charismatic megafauna. We had the, but, US, the Forest Service from Montana on recently, and we discussed that. Well, and when most people think of endangered species, I think they, they think about those sorts of animals. But as it turns out, really our most also, endangered category of, of other critters are mussels. Are mussels. Yeah, not particularly. Now, mussels, are they dominant in uh, the more ocean waters, salt waters, or can they be in freshwater too? Well, there's definitely saltwater mussels, but the mussels that I'm talking about right now are freshwater mussels. Okay. And we have a very, very high diversity of them uh, in the Midwest and Southeast in particular. Now, are they lake or rivers? Uh, there are, they mostly are river species, but anywhere there's fresh water, you'll usually find some species of uh, freshwater mussel. Oh, uh-huh, interesting. And what's the value to them, to the water? Uh, well, less of, you know, I, I, it's, it's difficult to say. There's certainly, as filter feeders, they'll, they'll clean up the water. But, okay, there we go. Uh, you know, I believe there's something inherently valuable in species. So yeah. you know, they are our native species, and it's something that I believe we have a responsibility to protect. Right. Well, we have had a scientist on here not long ago, and he said that if you have a move a tree from here to there, that changes something. So I'm sure that in the rivers, when there's something changed in the life that began in the growth of the fresh waters or sea waters or whatever, if there's a change in the dying uh, species of a particular type of species, there would be something changing altogether in the water. Because it started it started something in the ecosystem with, let's say, the mussel. Yes, and it's it's very difficult to predict what the changes will be if we yeah, lose can't. one particular species. You can't. And that's, that's why to be, it's yeah. important to be conservative when you're conserving species because there's a lot of questions about when a, a particular species is taken out of the system uh, in which it evolved. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you finding in our fish, uh, in the fish throughout the United States? Well, um, as it turns out, uh, we're just starting a project that you might, you and your viewers might be interested in. There is um, uh, an issue that came up recently with the improper disposal of unused medications. Oh. What we were finding were very odd chemicals. We're coming up in trace amounts into some of our waterways, and there was a concern that these trace amounts of some chemicals, which we believe are connected to improper disposal of, of unused medications, possibly could be harming some of our fish and wildlife species. So we actually got in touch with the American Pharmacists Association mm-hmm. um, and devised a campaign called the Smart Disposal Campaign, and it's a very, very simple campaign. We are asking people not to flush their unused prescription medications down the toilet. Uh-huh. There is a, a, a reasonable percentage of people who actually have been told by the government for reasons of personal safety, when you've um, finished up your prescription or you've finished up a particular medication, to avoid... Uh, uh, abuse or accidental consumption of that to flush it down your toilet. Ah. But they weren't really thinking about where those medications oh, yeah. were going. Yeah. So basically, we're, we're trying to get out, spread the word that 
people should so not... So what do you suggest they do with them then? There well, one of the things suggestion. we suggested is to, uh, to handle it safely, and different medications have different instructions as for uh, safe handling, physical handling. But essentially, uh, dissolve it, crush it up, and put it into a, uh, a baggie mm-hmm. with uh, sawdust or kitty litter, and that bake, basically makes it um, inedible. That's so right. children or pets won't eat it up. Okay. Uh, zip it up in the baggie and then throw it into the garbage can. Okay, there we go. Okay, that makes sense. Right, and that, that really does a much better job in preventing those medications from working their way into our waters. Now, are, are you finding other things other than that uh, that are more common, uh, that are certain detergents or certain other, anything else that would be uh, a concern that you were studying about the waters? Well, you know, one of the funny things is um, science generally indicates the majority of these uh, medications that are finding their way in are actually um, <clears throat> excreted by people into, into toilets. And, of course, uh, while the service is very... Uh, oh, you mean eliminated? Yes. Yeah. So uh, that's sort of that out of our area of isn't just the fact that they're throwing them away, but well, when you're taking a medication and you're flushing your toilet, it's eliminating into the stream. Yes. You're eliminating your elimination, I guess uh-huh. is one way of putting it. But, of course, the service is not involved in the business of... Uh, no, I know that. ...relating people... Um, well, yes. People but I'm wondering, here we're back to the water drinking. Drink a lot of water, and you'd be able to flush it through healthier than if you're, if you're not drinking enough water, you would eliminate it if it more concentrated than you would if you were drinking a lot of water, which everybody, Josh, should be drinking a ton of water when you're taking anything. Yes, and well, one of the maybe that's one have, of the ways, Josh. I can get everybody. <laughs> well, one, one of the concerns we're having, and again, the science is still coming out, is a lot of these unused medications. It's unclear whether the extent to which they're a problem in very, very small trace amounts, mm-hmm. and that's why you know, again, being conservative here, we're mm-hmm. saying, all right, we're not quite sure there might be some impact on fish and wildlife in very, very small amounts. Yeah. Let's do what we can to keep it out of the waterways to begin with, and that's why we're working with APHA. Have you, American by Farm chance, I know this is going to be a very leading question, but maybe we can go over the top because I've been in research for so long, and our listeners should always be knowing this. Take a moment at a time. Never say this is the only way, but use your common sense and think out, evaluate, like you're the scientist of thinking. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Josh, have you uh, out there been learning anything about uh, what is happening to the sewages of, of cities, the sewers. Are they getting more aggressive about how to put the sewage into the disposal into the rivers across our country? You know, that is... That's not your um, world. I, I just, it's so well outside of yeah, yeah. Uh, my knowledge and the service okay. isn't involved. The Fish and okay. Wildlife Service won't is go not there. involved in regulating okay. sewage per se. So yeah. I'm just not in a position to, to, okay. to answer that. I just don't know. Okay, so uh, some of the other things you've been studying uh, about, uh, you've been learning about the endangered species of the mussel, which is the filtering system to many of the waters. Uh, then you've been learning uh, more about the medications that are going down into the waters through flushing. Is there anything else that you'd like to educate our listeners? Well, one of the, one of the neat things we're also working on is, is we're part of the um, Children in Nature movement. Ah. which is um, Richard Louvre, who is an author, put out a book a few years ago. He collected a bunch of data and a bunch of anecdotes and told a really nice story that a lot of us know instinctively, but he put it all together in one book, which was he talked about the educational and healing aspects of unstructured play in the outdoors and really focused on children. Uh, And a lot of the stories that he had in his book had to do with, you know, kids fishing or kids playing in creeks, kids playing outdoors. And what he found is, looking at all the research, that there were 
a whole range of emotional, physical, developmental health benefits to letting kids get outside and play on their own terms. And smell uh, the oxygen. And um, the services the involved as a partner, we um, manage, uh, I believe, 549 national wildlife refuges around the country. So we offer some pretty neat opportunities for kids to get out and play. We're just obviously a, um, a one of the players there. But we're very, very excited because, again, as I said earlier in the show, a lot of us here in the Fish and Wildlife Service are personally connected Aww. to the outdoor world. And now this is our way it. of sort of helping the next generation yeah. develop these really critical Relationship. Now, have you, uh, is this something to do with like the junior, uh, junior rangers that if you go to a park, they could become a member of a junior ranger? Is this something to do with? Well, not, not exactly. I, I think it's the, the recognition, the growing recognition that um, if you let kids just get outside and play on their own terms, uh-huh. don't give them rules, uh-huh. don't give them regulations, don't give them a goal, let them go out and define play they want. Uh, they're finding that it really helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, children's creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it certainly helps uh, their health, just being outdoors, being part of nature. Uh, there's a growing concern about uh, childhood obesity, mm-hmm. uh, and there are connections about getting kids outside and um, um, fighting that. We're actually on the 29th of this month. We're, um, we have a health conference. We have a conference we're doing with health professionals here in Arlington uh-huh. where they'll be talking about just these things, the health benefits of getting your kids outdoors. So, wow. Um, oh, I, that's exciting because there's a lot of children who don't live near the forest. Right, and well, but the neat thing about this movement is it identify you, you don't need a lot of space for the kids to get out. And it, in some ways, it doesn't even have to be uh, woods. It can be a community garden, and yes. community gardening is increasingly popular in urban areas. It okay. can be just a little patch. Kids can find adventures uh, almost anywhere they go. Oh, and smelling the fresh air and getting out into what they call the nature of growing things around you. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to share one with you and my uh, the listeners. One time I was in Manhattan for two weeks working every day, and I live in Oregon, and I got off the plane, and I came to my where I live next to the Rogue River, and I really surprised my husband when we got out of the car. I went down to the river and kissed a tree, <laughs> and I was serious. It smelled so good because I had not. When you're in Manhattan or in larger populated areas, or there's not a forest too close, there's just something about the filter system that doesn't smell fresh, and you don't even know it because you get so used to living with it. And it does wear you out, exhaust you. You just don't get the same filtering of the same oxygen. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you giving your mission to what you're doing. And uh, keep up the good work with our streams and our rivers and, and uh, the species there uh, for whatever you're doing there with the mussels. And I, no, none of us knew that one. And the children getting out. Let's get our children out, everyone, around the world and get them out into the nature of, the, of life. But, Josh, is there anything you'd like to close with to say goodbye to our listeners? I think just I would encourage all the listeners to spend as much time as they can outdoors enjoying it in the way they most enjoy it. I'm sitting here in an office right now, <laughs> and I'm really wishing yeah, that wishing. I was on a river somewhere swimming or fishing or just playing around. Oh, well, thank you. Tell everyone we said hello, and, and I hope to have you on again someday. Thank you very much. You have me. a nice day, Josh. You too. Bye. Wow, wasn't that exciting to hear about what we all, if this is what the show is all about, is reminding ourselves. And I get reminded, too, as much as I get in tune to the nature of what we're trying to do. But I want everyone to know, though, that Earth does have a secret. And it, is, it has been there from the beginning of time. 
you need to believe in each moment, each moment of your particular moment of life, and embrace that moment. And remember, when you're reaching out to embrace the moment, moment by moment, not too far ahead, that Earth does have stars and rainbows and the moon and the sun, the smell of the oxygen and the trees, and even if you have to imagine it, do that. And Earth will be whispering, never say goodbye. Thank you for listening. Have a nice day.